following was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated in Memphis, Tennessee. Hello, my name is Rick Cheddar, and this is From Radioland. Greetings, salutations, hello, hey, how's it going? Welcome to another episode from Radioland from the home office in Memphis, Tennessee. This is episode 393. Oh, yeah, it's uh, here, uh, here, hanging it out, doing our thing. I, I've been, it's been a busy kind of week, sad and busy, I might add. Sad because we're losing people to this pandemic. It's, you know, let me tell you something, this Delta variant ain't nothing to fool around with, man. This is a bad deal. Um, as of the taping of this, we just gotten word that um, Ricky Lee Reynolds had passed away. Uh, Ricky was the, uh, uh, I believe he was lead guitarist for Black Oak, Arkansas. Been around since the since the day the band was put together. Ricky was a true rock star, super cat, really nice guy. I think about a week, ten days ago, something something to that effect. He. Uh, he went to the hospital uh, with uh, with the vid, and um, well, since we're talking about him, he didn't survive it. And uh, whatever the you know whatever the case may be, whatever you know whatever the situations were or what they are, uh, the point being is that we've that we've lost somebody else. It's continuing. It is continuing. It's just frightening stuff. And I don't mean to be coming out here being all morose here on this episode. But it's important to 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 bring up that there are things you can do to mitigate this. You know, there are things you can do. You can you can you can get the shot. You and, and I know there's people that go, oh well, I'm not going to get it. So I don't know what's in it. Well, you know, get your ass out of the McDonald's drive-through where you ain't no know what's in that bag either. And uh, you know, go find your doctor. Go find the place where you got to go and go get the shot. I'm serious. Do you know what's in the MMR vaccine? Do you even know what the MMR vaccine is? Those of you with kids do, you know. Do you even know what chemicals are in that? No, you don't. But what it does do is it causes adults. <laughs> that's what happens. That's that's a thing. So, you know, um, go get the shot. I mean, I hate to be you know beating a dead horse here but that's what kind of what's going on here we're losing too many people and what's really going to happen is what happens when somebody who doesn't believe they need to have the shot or don't want to get the shot or whatever the case may be and they turn around and they infect some young kid you know then then what happens you know what we're having to do at radio memphis uh, uh the producer of the blue show uh mark caldwell uh, he and i have been chatting a little bit uh, here on the date of production which is sunday uh, the Sunday before Labor Day, today's the fifth, is the uh, the notion now that we're not going to be bringing back bands, solo duo, yes, if you're vaccinated. Um, I'm going to put it out there. This is going to sound kind of shitty, but if you're unvaccinated, I can't have you in the studio. You know, right now you're just mandating the vaccine. You're damn right I am because we're we're burying too many people. I did a. I was honored to be a part of, uh, and this is not COVID related, mind you. But I was honored to be a part of a second line and uh, one of the uh, MCs for uh, a tribute to Thomas Clay Jr., uh, which was down on Beale Street. Uh, that was uh, at the uh, Ghost River Brewing there on Beale, which is a fantastic joint, by the way. And, you know, Thomas had passed away. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't COVID. It was. It came as a shock to everybody involved in there. But uh I was honored to have been uh, called in to assist in this, and it was uh, it was a lovely, a lovely evening. But you know, as I we I walked down Beale Street with uh, this is my point. I, I walked down Beale Street with uh, Robert Nighthawk Toombs, and uh, this is a guy who's he knows he he knows everybody, man. You know, he's played with everybody. He's been around a long time, and uh, as he put it, you know, with every footfall goes another memory. And that's and that's what this is. And we're losing our entertainers. We're losing our children. We're losing our friends. We're losing family. Um, you know, uh, all these people that have been associated with this radio station for so very long. I, I love them all, and I, I want to see them taken care of and protected. So we're having to dial back now. Um, 
you know, solo duo acts, a lot of stuff on phone, you know, that kind of thing. Google Meet or wherever it is we can do it. So, you know, there's there is that. It's it's heavy. I know. I don't, I don't mean to you know harp on it, but you know, look, man, it's going to get worse. Six hundred fifty thousand Americans are dead. More than that, that number's going to keep going. It's going to keep going on up. It's going to be a long fall and winter, my friends. Until people begin to wake up and realize that what needs to be done has to happen. So, you know, please do your part. You're not getting the shot for yourself. You're getting it for other people as well. Don't be that selfish. It's okay. Coming up today, it is the uh, second part of our conversation with the Mill Man. That's right. Mark Muleman Massey. Uh, he was on last week. Uh <laughs> Uh, speaking of COVID, this is a man who survived it. He's he's heard that you he heard that story last week. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, uh, you can go and 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 download uh, Mark Massey Part One from from Radio Land, and you can hear it. Uh, it's up on our website, radio memphiscom and many other places. Part Two is uh, is well, there's a lot of humor in this. You're going to learn how not to skin a goat. We'll tell you that. That's coming up too. Some more music. And uh, some more fun. It's it's the Mule Man. He's uh, he's next up after this very brief break right here from Radio Land. Don't go away. Get a taste of real Memphis with Butterific Bakery. Gourmet treats and baked goods at an affordable price to customers nationwide. Using only quality and wholesome ingredients, Butterific Bakery is the guilty pleasure that's good for you and the environment. In Memphis at 488 South 2nd Street and online at ButterificBakery.com. A taste of Memphis goodness delivered anywhere in the United States. Butterific Bakery and Cafe. ButterificBakery.com. We were upstairs just a little while ago. We were talking food. (laughs) 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 I learned how not to skin a goat. Uh, <laughs> that's that's an awesome story, but it brings to mind. I did not realize this that you and Andrew Zimmern, you were on that show that he did. The yeah. was it Bizarre Foods? Is that what it was? Yeah, not by choice. But I mean, I, they didn't not know by I choice. Yeah. <laughs> not by their choice, probably by my choice. Of course, I wanted oh, to be on it. But yeah, he uh, he was down at Red's Lounge and uh, Mr. Jimmy Duck Holmes and some other folks. But uh, yeah, I was just hanging around. <laughs> talking junk all day and he didn't know who he didn't know that I played or did anything and at the end of the night um, Mr. Jimmy got tired of going over the same songs or whatever they was doing recording and he said hey Mark come play this thing and he graced me with giving me his guitar and I did uh, uh, Masters of the Blues you know which was that you know uh, paying homage to all the the blues guys that were losing and have lost and and um, when I got through you saw it kind of made, made him tear up a little bit so, oh yeah. really yeah so yeah I, and it got a lot of exposure man i mean you know uh, um i got to hear a lot of people say that they and still do from time to time you know they saw you on the you show the night on you know yeah so uh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> did you did you teach andrew how to how to skin a goat oh uh, i would have <laughs> <laughs> or how not to skin yeah, a goat man, as a goat with a water hose with a water hose like, yeah, like, like my dad told us to do you know and Oh, oh my God! God. At one of my picnics, and I was telling Rick about it. Y'all, good people listening, and my dad drove up. He'd been nipping, and and uh, my buddies all had a, a a goat over here on the ground. You had one over there on the ground. I had mine, and my daddy said, "Boy, y'all doing it the hard way." And of course, I jumped on my daddy's side. I said. Daddy, tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell me what, Daddy. Tell me how I'm doing it wrong. You know. And he said, "Get that water hose over." And I got the water hose, and he cut a slit around the, the wrist of the goat up under his skin and stuck that water hose up on there and held it and said, turn the water hose on. I mean, turn the water on. I turned the water on, and it went to peeling the skin away from the goat, and, and, and of course, he went to bragging. Yeah, y'all doing it the hard way, so that's why I come over here. <laughs> He's trying to tell y'all how to do things. Y'all ain't doing it right, and I and I'm right there with him. Yeah, daddy, tell him how it is. <laughs> y'all ain't listening. See, that's what's wrong with y'all. Y'all ain't listening. Daddy, tell him why they're doing it. Right. He said, "Look, this son, if you hang around me, your daddy gonna teach you something." I mean, I said, "See, now, if y'all listen to daddy, y'all know more." Of course. And uh, how old how old were you? I shoot, wasn't about 15 years ago. I mean, so I'm still, you know. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in my 30s, 40. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a kid, but he's still daddy. I mean, oh, he's yeah. daddy, you know. And then when he did, then uh, 
I said, Daddy, look at his legs. They're spreading apart, you know, kind of. He said, yeah, yeah, that's normal. And I said, oh, okay. And uh, so anyway, I looked around in his booty part. I ain't going to say it on the air. You can. You can say whatever the hell you want to. Well, anyway, right there, right I saw his something asshole. coming yeah. out of his ass. And about that time, I said, Daddy, I think he might have, boom, don't do up. Too much water. And, uh, man, if you'd have took... Ten gallons of water and poured it on me and him. We were sitting there drenching. Them other folks went to laughing at me and Daddy, and, <laughs> and uh, so he decided then he was ready to leave. He said, "Well, I guess I'm gonna go." I said, "Well," I, and I'm sitting here you know, <laughs> with the remains of a goat that needed to be cleaned to be on a picnic the next day. And uh, I told Rick, I said, "Man, I, you know, we cleaned it good and cooked it good. Man, took all night to cook it." And and uh, I said, "But when I put my nose over that tray, I can smell still smell that." That mustiness, you know, the gamey is what yeah. I think is what Rick called yeah, gamey. gamey. Yeah, And now, you know, the word is what? Earthy. Earthy. Whatever that means. You know, yeah, it means it's gamey. It tastes earthy. So anytime it, <laughs> but it's still, around my A lot of people love it, man. It tastes like I'm saying, it's kind of earthy. Anyway. <laughs> they love that stuff, though, man. It's good. Mark, yeah. uh, I, I watched your video. You're making those biscuits. That, uh, those look pretty good. Those biscuits you were making. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. My daddy taught me how to make biscuits. Really? Yeah, man. My water hose? Huh? Not with the... <laughs> Him and my mom had separated, you know, when I was about 12 or 13, and there was a huge custody battle. <laughs> Neither one of them wanted me. <laughs> That's right. <It> was, <laughs> it, it, he lost. He wound up with me. <laughs> so he taught me how to make biscuits. And, uh, man, I've taught, um, I guess, a half a dozen blues men to make biscuits and that was one of the biggest uh, you know fulfillment things for them they enjoyed it Roy Cunningham being one of them Roy the drummer I taught him how to make biscuits and uh, and uh, he he would make them and you know it's it's just um, it's really not that hard to make but it just is an old southern kind of yeah old traditional way they come out kind of thin and flat though don't they at least that's you can make them any way you want alright that's the way my grandmothers and my dad made them they're always kind of flat did you like them out of way or not? You want to I like them all right like that. My 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 wife uh, she likes them thin. My daughter likes them thin. Uh, Big Jack Johnson, you know, that was like a me and him was just really good buddy. He made biscuits every morning. He had about ten kids, you know. Oh yeah. And he made a plate for everybody. You liked yours thin. He made yours thin. Made oh, you a wow, skillet. Really? You wanted thick ones. He made you thick ones. And and, and around he, yeah, oh, wow. he made everybody's order every morning. And uh, wow. when I come in his house, I'll never forget around the top of his. Uh, right there on his shelves was just grease, you know, grease and oil, and but you know, I said two stoves in the house, yeah, two stoves, two stoves, and a skillet that was that big around, man. I wow, like, I, I said there's some serious cooking going on around mm-hmm. here. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. they ain't playing, oh, and uh, but yeah, he he made biscuits, and I made, I, I like making biscuits. That and homemade uh, sorghum molasses, and get that sorghum and get a little butter and oh, yeah, it and, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know, I was tell I tell you a quick thing about the hog thing again was on on a different thing was when my daddy and the constable were drinking around my hometown of uh, Tate County and the hogs got out on the in the highway you know on the back road and they got out and stole four of the man's pigs you know the little bitty ones like that daddy and the constable did you know and and then the constable got on the on the radio hey uh, uh you need to get a hold of the car well down there and tell him that his his hogs is out the dispatch and, and of course they got the man's hogs in the car and they go they drinking they drunk about drunk they show up at my house daddy you know and mom was cooking and they got two hogs up under each arm you know little shoats you know yeah, little, little pigs, I, yeah. get them out of the house mama said and boy we had a big bad bulldog named Mac he killed anything and the next morning I got ready to catch out for the school bus and and uh, there's a hog laying over here, a body and a head over there. Oh, and no. I mean, he done went through three of the hogs, and only one, for some reason, he let live come out of the doghouse with him. He come out of the doghouse, <laughs> and when he did, here come the pig out of the doghouse. I'm like, and I said, don't nobody tell him that that's a pig. That's a pig. I said, my God, he done ate the head off of, you know, all these other ones. I mean, just all around the yard. And, so the so the dog raises up with the pig. The pig raises up. The, I mean, with the dog. And when you pulled up in our yard, I don't know which one you'd rather go hope you know fight the dog or the pig. <laughs> he come out barking, and she come out. Hoo, 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 like 
she done got big, man. You know, her oh, name. Oh boy, yeah. Her name was Sally, and I had Sally. Man, you could rub her. This story is going somewhere, by the way. I, I write it. <laughs> yeah. It's sad. It may be what happened to me. It went therapy here, and I'm rubbing old Sally. She'd lay down on her side, you know, and man, she'd become a really good pet. And got gun got up to three hundred pounds, maybe you know. Well, come a cold spell. Wintertime. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And Daddy got up that morning and said, well, we're killing hogs. I said, well, we ain't got no hogs. I mean, you know, whose hog we killing? <laughs> he said, well, we're killing Sally. And ma- made me kill my pet hog. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Clean no. Sally. No. Yeah. Yeah, the crowd went, oh. Yeah. And when it did, then, and the next morning, you know, he made homemade biscuits and fried sausage balls. Some of y'all ain't from the country don't know what that is, but he take that black skillet and about half full of grease and make sausage balls sausage instead of balls, patties. That, that's, and oh. then he would just flip it. You know, flip them over when they get fried on one side. Man, they'd be crispy. Then you take two of them and take a big old cathead biscuit and open it up and break them balls in half, you know, and lay them on there. And man, you talking about some good eating. You can smell that sage and oh, that good yeah. sausage. And he done made sausage out of salad. Made me help him, of course, you know. Well, Next, that morning, Mark, you ain't eating? I said, I ain't eating. I ain't eating. He, I said, I ain't eating, Sally. You know, and he said, oh, now you know that's just part of living on a farm. You got us. I, I ain't eating it. So I went to school that morning. I ain't big as nothing, you know. So the redheaded, and, and, and uh, I come back in there the next morning, and I forgot. And I got my saga mixed. Look, I got my saga mixed up, and I got everything working out good. Had me a... Some of y'all on there know what I'm talking about. When I had the syrup on the back side, I put me a knife on the back side of my plate to keep it on that side so it wouldn't yep. be going everywhere. <laughs> now you know I'm country. And then when it did, and I got my biscuit, like I told you earlier, boy, and I had it all set up. And when it did, Daddy waited till I ate it and swallowed it. And the minute I got it swallowed, he said, Hey, Mark. I said, Yes, sir. He said, Oh, Sally's good, ain't she? Oh, oh no! my God! Oh, no! <laughs> and I jumped up and I ran out. But that was, hey, that's living on the life. That is, that's living on the farm. That's living on the farm. And uh, But what he was doing was really now, like I tell my kids, when we have to put an animal, it's nothing to laugh and joke about when you have to kill one. But, um, and I'm going to end it on this. When you buy your sausage, have you ever noticed, you buy a roll of sausage from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed when you don't, when you eat a little bit of it, and you may leave it in there for maybe two or three days, and it's already smelling and going bad. Yeah. You ever noticed how that happens? Just a Jimmy, any, any, any of them, of them yeah. <clears throat> How old is that? How is it that I can kill a hog and I can grind it up and I can, no preservatives whatsoever, right? I ain't got none of that. Just put sage and the stuff that you put in it seasoning and it can sit in a bowl for two weeks or longer in the refrigerator and you can still dip it. It's still, this is fresh. So my thinking is, is that how long had that hog been hanging in the coolers wherever it was at? Yeah. And just about the time it was about to go bad. Just about then they said, "Hey, we need to grind this up, and make sausage, and we need to hurry and get it to the stores because it ain't gonna keep long, even with preservatives in it." Fresh so eating is a thing, of, man. You gotta you gotta learn to uh, really eat fresh, right? Yeah. So that's why I'm saying that living on a farm and and raising your own things and stuff like that. That and don't name your food. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have named your pig. <laughs> no, you just can't go visit with them. Well, my dad and I went. He said, "Mark, you know, it was I was bred like a." a brother to a sister or something like that one, yeah. one time you know it was just like, you know it was a pig and my daddy said Mark you really don't need to be doing that you know and uh, he said it could mess him up or something I said daddy I ain't wanting him to read no book to me I said I'm just wanting to eat him <laughs> in other words <laughs> if, it, if breeding them had something to, to mess with their mental state and uh, but it didn't it was just basically uh, I've seen people breed them so long that they don't even have a split in their hoof yeah, there were some old guys down there in the country that had bred them so long that they're they they wouldn't split. Right. So that's that's inbreeding big time, but um, you don't see that much. And and it's a dying thing. I wanted to do a little thing about the last of the Mississippi hog farmers. You know, the small guys that has ten to fifteen to twenty to whatever pigs, and uh, because it it's hard work, and a lot of people ain't doing it no more. No, it is yeah. it is hard work, and and uh, it's hard to make a living doing it. Oh yeah, of course you. It's just feeding your family is all you could do, and and you could go buy it way cheaper than you could go then you and could raise do it, yeah. them. You know, when you put the corn in, and but again, it goes back to what you're eating. You know, you're eating something that you don't know how long it had been dead compared to. It didn't have all exactly that preservative crap in there yeah. the whole time. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got we got time for a tune here before I grab a break, and we'll come right back out of the break, and we'll we'll do we'll talk some more.
Um, you want to, do you want to just talk about the parchment? I'll do it. Do you want me to do one of those songs about that to lead into it? Yeah, let's do it, and, and we'll take this break. We'll come back, and we'll talk about your experience at, at parchment. So what did you want me to do? No, let's play a tune. Play a tune? Play a tune. Um, well, did you do She's Not Mine anymore? We hadn't done that tonight, have we? I don't believe we have, no. Maybe we'll just do it, and then we'll go into the, after we get into the, we'll do the first CD that more reflects about yeah. that parchment yeah. deal. <clears throat> this is She's Not Mine Anymore. She belongs to the man next door. She's not mine anymore, no. She belongs to the man next door. I think my baby has found another guy. Every time I look at her, I can see it in her eye. How could I stand here, fellas, be so blind? When the man next door, I can see why. <laughs> see, I should have known the night the way she act. She kept on snatching her love back. Watch out, baby. Now I'm standing here trying not to cry. But things like this, guys, will mess with your mind. She's not mine anymore, no. She belongs to the man next door. She's not mine anymore, no, no. She belongs to the man next door. See, fellas, I'm hoping to get over her, y'all. I just want to live my life. That's all now, baby. See, little girl, I don't want to fuss or fight, no, no. Just want my freedom, I'll be all right. She's not mine anymore, no. She belongs to the man next door. She's not mine anymore, no, no. She belongs to the man next door. She's not mine, no, no, baby, no. How could you leave me here, woman, with these tears in my eyes, girl? Whoa, whoa, baby. She left mine, no, no, baby, no. You know what, fellas? I said my good things gone, y'all. She left mine, no. Mark Muleman Massey is here in the studio, and uh, we've been uh, we've been chatting about all sorts of fun stuff. Um, if it weren't for Parchment Prison, you wouldn't be playing the blues, is it? Is that right? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I was living so fast, you know. Um, yeah. At that moment, you know, there's a lot of bad things going on. Got hit by a train and towed out a couple of cars, and then um, you know the episode between me and my older brother, and so. A shooting and um, you know the whole town turning against you and you know you go to messing up you go to you know nobody loves me no more kind of deal and and yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, you know that's the guy that did that you know I still run into that you know but um, yeah um, you know the getting hit by a train you know that'll pretty, wake well, your ass know, up I yeah, guess that'll yeah. wake you up when you're going fishing and uh, and uh, so anyway that was just a lot of things that led up to it but yeah if I hadn't went down there if I hadn't uh, that I wouldn't be here were you uh, in a car when you got hit by the truck yeah or? I was in a truck mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was going fishing that morning and I had everything barbed I had my daddy's truck had your boat had Rick's <laughs> boat motor <laughs> and I didn't have nothing in the deal besides habit, you know. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> you tore up everybody's shit. Yeah, I tore up everybody's shit and, and, and walked away. <laughs> like that song. And then I just turned and walked away. And whatever I saw. Sorry about your truck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, man, and uh, 
it was two engines is all it was and they yeah. were flying and they come around this they, they've now cut all the trees and uh, then there was grease about man like that on the tracks yeah and I told the guy I said the lights never would come on man hell I wouldn't have pulled up on the track if I'd have seen the lights blinking man but no lights blinking and then you come around uh, the uh, the uh, as they say in the country, the curl. You come around that curl, and them trees was on each side. I, and they were getting it. Two engines not pulling anything. Mm -hmm. They were going to go hook up. Mm -hmm. So they were getting it, man. Down to headed to Crenshaw. Happened at Askew in uh, Askew, Mississippi. And I go over it every other Sunday now. When I go to Reds, I have to stop. You know, go over it every time I go. Uh. Of course, hell, it brings back memories. You know, my wife, I'll stop. You know, right on the track. I said, I was just kind of sitting. Here. Mark, go on. <laughs> I said, no, no, we're not going to go. And I'm still sitting here. You know, I said, and not. No. I said, just kind of sitting here like this. And I said, I thought I heard any other morning. I'd had stairway to heaven going loud. Yeah. I said, but this morning I didn't feel too good. Then I said, but I baited up my trot lines on the levee, and I'm going. Back to run it with all y'all stuff, and uh, when it did, and I get up on the railroad track and I heard something go, oh, oh. I said, Boy, that sounds like a horn of a train, possibly. And I looked, and it was right there at that door. And by the time I realized it's a train, it's right there where you're at, yeah. And then by the time I punched it, I just got the tail end of the truck over and it hits the boat trailer and pulls me oh, in the it starts pulling me down the railroad track you know a little oh, bit shit. And you, be, you became a passenger yeah i've come the I'm, i've caught the midnight special banana boat or something and it twisted luckily the 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 trailer twisted because it was on the tongue still attached to the truck you know yeah so when he hit it this is the boat in the back wheel of a boat you know and and your truck's right here and when he hit it 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 twisted like that and rolled it and over. Got, yeah, yeah, rolled it and it pulled me a little bit. But I swear, if you'd have, if you'd have took a that boat and put it in a bow and arrow and shot it, that fourteen foot aluminum John boat, yeah. it wouldn't like from here across to, to fish soul fish over yonder or whatever it is. Yeah. It shot this through the wood. I mean, like you just threw it. Shook. And I looked up in the front as I looked as it, when it finally let go of me, the train, and uh, you could see my buddy's nine point eight Mercury just flipping in front of that dead gum cow catcher. You know, uh -oh. pieces breaking off of it oh, and. And I'm like, I just like the guy killed, you know. And so they stopped about a mile down the road, and they come back, and they all jumped out, about six of them with a bunch of cameras and stuff, start taking pictures, and cussing me. <laughs> and the engineer guy, he cussing me and cussed me until finally I couldn't take no more of that. I said, and uh, you need to quit cussing me. And uh, so he did, thank goodness. And uh, the law showed up, and I told him, I said, lights didn't come on. Well, here come a railroad man. Had a big old long rod, about four foot long, iron. Right. And you could touch them tracks together, contact, and the lights were oh, supposed yeah. to come on. Mm -hmm. Well, he starts right there and don't come on because the grease is that thick. I said, there ain't, ain't no way it's going to touch. And they go from here across the street, still touching. I said, the lights never come on, man. And so then I get in trouble and I go to Parchman and so I never got paid for almost getting killed by the, and then when I come back and got out three years later or whatever, then they done redid the track and put up new lights and, you know, uh -huh, you know, now they almost killed me that, we, you know, we might want to fix this. And it killed a couple other people. You so know? you went to Parchman over that? No, no. That was before I went to Parchman. I liked to got killed. Oh, well, yeah. Then I got several other episodes. What I'm saying, when you said if it hadn't been for Parchman, I wouldn't, oh, you be wouldn't playing be playing the blues. blues. Well, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't have been alive because the yeah. way I was living is my point. That it yeah. just by, it was just, everything was rolling the wrong way. And then when I got locked up, and for the ver never did a day and night in jail, yeah. and then to have six six six, that's your sentence, and you know, like the devil, uh, six years, six years, six years, eighteen years, you know, in the state penitentiary um, for uh, less than an ounce of weed, Mexican weed, not just good stuff. Now I'm talking about the ditch weed, ditch weed, eighteen man. years yeah, for ditch man, weed, yeah, man. <clears throat> and so, god damn, and, uh, Mississippi needs to wake up, man. And uh, I've I was the first one to sign for the legalization down in Jackson. I bet you were. I, yeah. I was. I, they, now they pulled somebody, it back. After yeah, and I'm like, man, you know, and um, it's it, it is this that has they've held it over my life, my whole life, you know. And um, so, 18 years they sentenced you, six, but you six, did six. You go down there, but and you in other words, if you mess up, you'll do 18. If you act right, because I had a violent crime also, you right, know, right, right. with the shooting, and uh, which got out that same day, no bond, no charge, no nothing, because they knew the situation, but when you caught that charge, that weed charge, then that's what they, they did to back. a 19-year-old kid. They they turned around and said, well, hey, 
uh, we're going to give you more time for the weed unless you take this other charge that you know that that ain't right, the violent crime. Right. And I said, well, you know this situation, man. And so that was just a deal that was given to me, and there was no way around it. And so I could either wait, and I'd been in uh, uh, the Tate County Jail, and it was was, uh, feeding you twice a day. And um, when they're supposed to be feeding you three times a day, I found out they fed us twice a day and wouldn't let you outside. You wouldn't get no yard calls. I hadn't been outside in over 30 days or a little less than that, but no outside, nothing. Right. And um, so I, I didn't want to stay there another eight months to wait to go to court. And I'd just rather go on and take the, that extra charge and go on and start trying to live my life, man. And uh, we'll, we'll worry about this down the road. And so um, they picked me up on this is how quick they moved me through the thing, brother. Check this out. May the 1st, they pick me up, secret indictment, you know, arrest you. And May the 1st, May the 20th, I take my plea. June the 3rd, I'm in Rankin County. Wow. That's what you call moving your ass through the system. That's when you call get a fellow on out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about the sheriff can't make it rough on you, shit. He can pick up that phone and oh, he can make yeah. it rough on you. Oh, yeah. So then 19 days and... Um, Rankin County processing, wanting you to kind of keep the lights on and see if you're going to snap mentally or whatever. Then when you go through that, they'll find out where to put you. And then if you make it through that. So um, I found out right quick you didn't want to mess with the guards. Is uh, <laughs> Yeah, when we left there, it was it, remember the, like the movie on Brother Mark, that when, the, when they flooded? Well, it flooded in 1991, if you remember. The whole Delta was just complete. Yes. And I'm on a yellow school bus or white school bus with parchment on it with this guy standing with the gun just like you'd see in the oh, yeah. movie oh, yeah. I'm, and I'm shackled down and we're headed to parchment I'm 19 years old and this black guy was a comedian on there he thought he'd be funny Uh-oh. the guy the clutch was bad in the old bus you know yeah. so he clutched it and he grind them till you find them that's what he said, you know. Uh-oh. Oh, and all of us laughed, you know, in the other inmates, you know. Oh, and every time, they ain't saying nothing. The guards, they, one's driving and one's holding that shotgun looking at us, you know. And uh, ain't nobody saying nothing. They grounded it, and every time he did it, he'd give him hell, you know, the fellow would. Well, we showed up down at Camp 32, which is rough camp. And uh, I wrote that, a song about it, by the way. And uh, That's labor, isn't it? Oh, no, lockdown. Lockdown. Death row. And, I mean, that's where you go to get processed when you get to parchment. Oh, I see. You start there. And so, and uh, then go to Camp 29, which is, the, you know, the field ops and all that kind of stuff. And uh, But when we get there, they have to strip you down again and humiliate you and, you know, spread your cheeks. You, you know, just, you can't even imagine what they do to you. So, we, I happen, this, my luck, this comedian, I'm right beside him. Hot dog, man, and they take you two at a time behind here to make you strip down, you know. Mm-hmm. But when he got off the bus, he'd been talking so much junk, right, that that guard that was on the bus went over and whispered in that canine officer, Parchman, and pointed at him. And I'm like, you know, and they said, who, him? And that guy, he won't make sure he had the right one, the canine guy. Okay, we got him. We got him. And when they, when he was beside me, oh, we had to go no. around the, the bus. I said, damn, I'm right beside this damn clown. And I know they're going to do something to him. And when we get behind that wall and we strip down, you know, and everything, they went to putting it to him, son. They went to whooping that ass. You hear me? Boop, bam, boop, bam. Oh, you a comedian now? Hell, tell us a joke. Boop, bam. Oh, oh, that fellow's hollering and yelling. Oh, my and God. The, and the other folks around that was on the bus, they laughing their butt off. You know what I'm saying? And 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 he told me, he said, you better have your nose up against the wall. You know, and you, I couldn't even breathe, Mark. I had mine so close. I like it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I said, I don't want none of what they're giving him. And uh, I'm 19, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We finally get there and... As we're going through the maximum security, if you look up Camp 32, they shut it down because it was so inhumane, and people were hanging themselves, and they was putting a, a, a mentally insane in there because they didn't want to pay to put them in a regular facility. You know what right. I'm saying? Right, in a state look hospital. It they yeah. shut it down. The, the allegations were checked out, and they said this: there is no rehabilitation here. When a man can be in death row and a man with a drug charge of marijuana is housed in the same conditions, there is no rehabilitation here. No. And they shut it down about 15 or so years after I had been released so it was it was horrendous I lost 30 something pounds in there I couldn't walk the fence on the 4th of July when I made it to the gunman camp my legs were so weak man from being starved down you know and uh, my wife saw me then we was dating 
And uh, she went to crying when she walked up. I said, what the hell are you crying? She said, oh, you look so bad. And I said, because they had that old tin, you know, in that lockdown, you know, piece of shiny tin. Wasn't no mirror. Hell, I thought I was looking pretty good, you know. And <laughs> I said, uh, oh, hell, you know, I made a joke about it. And I said, oh, it's uh, that's the hard part. It's going to get better now. And it wasn't nothing, nothing about it. And, and uh, this is, we're high school sweethearts. We're madly in love. Um I'm the football star. She's a cheerleader and also a point guard on the basketball team. Highest percentage on uh, free throws ever. If you go to, if you had a game on the line and she went up to the to the thing, they gave her the ball. Go and give it to her because she. And so it, it was. Uh, and then she married me there. And so you know, uh, after and when everybody said, "Oh, it won't ever last, and we'll be 30 years next year." Wow. So, Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. But while you were there, you learned to play with, uh, was it David Kimbrough, I believe, that David you? Kimbrough was at, when I finally made it out of these work camps and made it, or excuse me, to the to the B custody. A custody is trustee. So when I made it an opportunity to get up to a trustee camp yeah. to work at a warehouse, and it was like, the guy told me, he said, you know, um, there, it's rough, Mark, you know, was, uh, 18 other black guys, you'd be the only white guy there. I said, well, hell, I get along with everybody. You know, and I, I, in first day, a guy, we get into it, of course, you know, and, uh, but I had just got moved there and he had a, you know, easy camp, you know, it's an easy thing. So nobody really wanted to be fighting, you know, right. but they was just going to test me, you know. They want to see how yeah, far they can push it. Yeah, yeah. When he did, and, uh, um, it did, we, we worked it out. Let's put it that way. And he went and told the boss on me and, he, and, uh, he come back, Mark, did you, did you tell him that? I said, No. I didn't tell him. He said, I think I need to move you. I'm going to move you over here. So he, he moved me over to another little area. And so at this camp was the Parchment Band. And oh. at this work camp when I got moved. And so I could see these guys. And I, I had seen them come to the camps that I had been at playing yeah. for us. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I said, you know, and I remembered the band as a kid coming to the prison rodeo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, little did I know that old man that I couldn't stand to hear him sing with the Bing Crosby hat on that tried to do the Farron Young stuff, you know, uh, was going to be the guy, the man that would save my life. You know, um, I'm sitting here with a roped off area. I can't get no closer at 10 years old watching this man, but I really want to hear the black guys and the, and the, the soulful Wilson Pickett looking inmate, you know, that was just singing that soulful stuff, and and the girls were there then, you know, yeah. dancing, and they could they had their routines down like Tina Turner, and you know, um, built like a brick crap house, you know, and and uh, little did I know, like I said again, that that was going to be the man that would um, the the guitar player Ronnie Gregg that was there with David Kimbrough. David didn't get me in the band. David was in the band, and um, and and I'd seen him playing this acoustic guitar around the camp. And um, Ronnie Gregg was borrowing the guitar, and I walked the fence one day, and he looks like Merle Haggard, and he he was doing a 10-year mandatory and been there seven, and had been there 10 years before to avoid Vietnam. Wow. He, he called a charge to keep from going to Vietnam, and uh, that's how scared, you know, he didn't want to go. And so he did a burglary just to get put in prison, and when he did, then he did that and got out, and then he come back, and he'd been in the band a couple of times, so when he heard me sing, um, I could I would hurt my throat because I wasn't singing from my diaphragm. And right, you were singing from so my yeah, So yeah, so he, he uh, taught me, worked with me a little bit, and uh, then said, man, let me get you an audition with the band. And uh, and and we're it would have took letters and all kind of stuff to even get an audition. He walked right, you know, walked in and told Mr. Cannon, "You got to hear this young guy, you know. Um, I think he's got it, you know, or something of that nature." And and um, K nine comes and gets me unannounced, and K nine's you know scary as all get out. I don't know where we're going. I'm shaking. I think he's gonna whoop me. <laughs> you know, he's got me in the back of a truck like a dog. And uh, and when we stop at the four way stop out there in the middle of the delta, in the middle of these fields, and his arms hanging out, I just leaned up and said, "Boss." Where, where are we going? And he reaches on his dash and you trying out for the band? And man, my heart just like, yeah. You know, this I didn't know he was, when it was going to happen, you know, to come get me. And he comes and sends a canine officer to get me instead of like regular guard. You know, I'm right. like, I'm in trouble. They whoop you. Yeah. I mean, I mean ain't no, ain't no, ain't no. It's like Cool Hand Luke. That's where it was filmed, by the way. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, so, um, I go in and I'm shaking by the time I get there from the trauma of riding with this canine officer, you know, and I do my uh, chasing that neon rainbow, I'm living that honky-tonk dream. And when I got through, he said, hell, I thought y'all said he could sing. 
and spit in the t- tobacco, <laughs> Applejack tobacco, Mr. Cannon. He'd been there for like 40 years working with inmates, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, was with Farron Young. And then the governor that was a fan of his gave him that job when he went in office, and that's how he started the prison band. I got gotcha. you. And that's how... You know, and uh, what, what a blessing. What a blessing because what would have happened to me. And I'm pretty much the only guy besides David. You know, he was already playing when he got there, but I wasn't playing anything when I got there. You know, it totally made me who I am by being being there and, and giving the opportunity. First show I did, Meg Rivers Ballfield, Fayette, Mississippi, warming up for B.B. King. And I'm 19 years old in a prison band with guards on each side of the stage with guns that people paid to, to see it. So you performed with a gun held to your head. To my back. Like the song. <laughs> with this right, rifle right to my back. My back yeah. uh, uh, sitting down here on Parchment Farm, baby. Yeah. And, um, but there was... Um, now that guitar, though, has its own story, though. The guitar that you had. Yeah, I still got it. You know, it's the very first guitar that I ever played on, and it was the one that David... Um, was it the prison's guitar they gave to you? No, it was this dude that had got in the prison band for a short period of time. Sometimes you'd have a guy that um, may not have very long, and they'll ask, you know, can we just put him in the band for a while, you know, and he ain't got three months. So, you know, and he had a guitar. he come from a satellite, you know, like a... not. I did all... See, that's why they... That's why they wanted me to have the violent crime was to make sure that I didn't get any leniency on me, like to get to go to a satellite or come right, home in 90 right. days and visit with my family. And, and uh, you know, so me and Beth got together for the very first time when I'd lost that 30-something pounds. And I know she don't want me to tell this, and she's listening now. But I paid $10 to go in the cooler. It was an old cooler that didn't work. And I paid the guard off to snicker off, you know, because we was madly in love. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, six weeks later... I'm pregnant. Uh-oh. And, man, that sure enough made me look bad. You know, here, I, you know, I'm a piece of shit already, you know. And now you don't got this milkman, the nicest fella in Tate County's daughter, pregnant. You know, you just did it not to lose her. You know, and I know it's what they thought, but it wasn't. It was God. Yeah. It, was, it was nothing but him intervening and knowing that if I had Luke, my son, that it would change me. And that's what it did do. But I wasn't there when he was born. And um, he was born on a Tuesday, I believe, and got out on a Thursday. She did, and she brought him to me on Saturday. And oh, I held wow. him for two hours, and you take him away. Yeah. And then wait two weeks, and I hold him for two hours, and you take him away. And then wait two weeks, and then you hold him for two hours, and you take him away. And that was some hard time. You know, and they'd let me step out the gate and put him in his little child seat, you know, and boy, you know, it was just, it was heartbreaking. Well, the, this this story is also part of what is, you wound up going to Washington, D.C. into the Library of Congress, I think, over this. Was that? Yeah. And it, didn't that Michael gu- Ford. Wasn't there a guitar involved in that that's yeah. in the Library of Congress? Well, it was, a, it, that was Burl Ives' guitar. Burl Ives. Yeah. When I went up there and they tell me, you know, uh, we want to show you something. And they go and pull this thing out of a rack. And the last person that played it was Willie Nelson. And, hit, and I, they said, so your DNA is going, Willie Nelson's DNA is going, you know, or something of that nature when I played. And um, they let me play Burl Ives guitar. But the one that I got on, at the, to finish that up was a uh, dude was leaving, and he wanted 40 bucks for the guitar. And I just got a visit, and I went to the canteen, and I didn't have that much anyway. And when he come back, I had $28. And he, and, um, he said, do you still got the money that you said? I said, well, I got $28. I had 30 and uh, he said, I'm going to sell you that guitar. And, and um, I, he said, but I don't know why you're buying it because you can't play it. I said, yeah, but I got plenty of time to learn. And uh, so David okay. was there working on I Got the Dog CD, you know, from Fat Possum. Yeah. Peter, yeah. them had just come down, you know. So a lot of people don't know that's me singing in the background for the very first. That's probably one of my very first recordings. When he did, I got the dog in me. I got the dog in me. That background is yeah. me and two but, other guys, you know. I got the dog in me. David Kimbrough. Girl, you look so good like a steak on a bone. I love to shake your body down. That's what turned me on. You know, so I was watching this guy sing in the lunchroom, and I was thinking to myself, man, I, I want to learn how to sing like that. So that's where David come in to show me licks. And when I bought the guitar, then he had to come and borrow the guitar from me. Now it's mine. <laughs> Follow me. I got you. Yeah, so I said, it's very simple, David. You gonna show me some licks and you can borrow the guitar and that's how that went down. And then uh, but yeah, um Parchman was a big part, you know, a big part and I don't regret it. it saved my life and I used to tell people 
that story and they'd run from me when I tell them what I you know what I went through but I was just so damn proud that I had went through it man and had lived through it because it was some it just wasn't really easy you know and my wife brought something to my attention and because I feel like I guess I should have some sympathy maybe as much as a black guy in my genre of my blues playing you right. know sometimes you you think well man I, I've had hard times too but my wife's a very smart woman and she told me, she said, well, Mark, I think a lot of people may look at your situation is that you did that to yourself. And what they what they have got, they were born into. They were born into that situation, the color of being black. So you need to understand that. You need to come, you know, don't let that, you know. And so she just broke it down to me in a different angle that I had never really, you know, because I do feel I am black. You know what I'm saying? I don't, that seems stupid. I know it does, but it's just that um, from the minute I got in trouble as a young, young guy in a small town, then they, they still turn their back, back on me. What do you mean by that? I've been pulling cars, and I'm going to tell this, and I said I wasn't 15 years for the city of Sanatobia. 15 years. Never had an episode against me. We get a new police chief in, Richard Chandler. And he says, because I'm a convicted felon and I got a lengthy criminal past, I can't pull for them no more. After 15 years, I got a record. I got yeah. insurance. I got everything. I've never done nothing wrong. But you ain't going to let me do it because he says, if you get pulled over for a DUI and you've got a gun on you. He said, we have a lot of guns left in cars. I said, no, sir, you don't. I've been pulling for 15 years. No, sir, you don't. And I'm talking to the man, trying to, to explain Ask him why he's going to take me, do me this way. This is recent. This ain't been five months ago. And um, he says, because if you're drunk and you've got a firearm and it's not used in the crime of why you're being arrested, we're going to leave it in the vehicle. Have you ever heard of such? No. In other words, you're going to take the guy. He's going to go to jail. You're telling me he's going to be arrested because I'm pulling his vehicle. You called me out, right? But I can't pull it because if he has a firearm, they're going to leave it in the vehicle and leave it in the possession of a... Of, That's of, bullshit. Of, that they ain't going to do that. They ain't going to do that. Look at Now listen to... Look at Look at Check this. Check it. Look at going to leave it in the possession of a record driver. And that means since I am a what? Convicted felon. I can't possess that gun. I can't put... You know, even though it's in your vehicle locked up, not, you know, I can't pull it. And since I can't pull those, he said, you can't pull none. And that's the way we, and, and I said, well, I disagree. I said, so you don't believe in redemption or anything like that, rehabilitation? He said, that has nothing to do with you. I said, yes, sir, it does. That's the whole point of it, and isn't that's it? That's the whole, yeah. And we went backwards and forth. And finally, um, he got mad and he said, this conversation's over. Get the hell out of my office. And before I could stand up, he has another guy behind him. He reaches over like he's going to put his hand on me. You know, and then I, I said, hey, man, hey, don't put your hand on me. I said, I'm recording you. I had my phone on, and then that's when you could hear his ass clap. And, then, <laughs> and I, I said, I said. I love that phrase. I said, how can you leave a firearm in a vehicle when you're going to take him and his money and his ID and everything else, yeah. but you're going to leave a firearm? I said. That don't make any sense. And then I talked to another buddy. He said, well, and then we're going to move on. It says, well, let's just say that you did get pulled over and you did go to jail and you did have a gun and they did leave it with the record driver, whoever this is, not me. Let's just take me out of the equation. And they, you, you know, get him downtown. You're doing your paperwork. He's going to spend a night in jail, right, or seven hours. And I look, hell, you shot a felon in Arkansas yesterday. They're looking for that nine millimeter that I just give to the record driver. You know what that's called now? You've lost custody. You lost custody of the gun, the police officer. In other words, when it was in your, if you was the guy that had it, got pulled over, I was the officer, we give it to you, the record driver. Now I've lost custody of the gun and it possibly could not be used in the murder trial right. because it's been out of the custody of the two people. Right, they can't, they can't pin it they back. They don't even look at the liability of that. No. If, so that's, that's a, this is my hometown that I have played music for. I have done things for them. So I want them to know on the radio tonight that I'll never play another show for Sunatobia, Mississippi. I never say that I'm from Sunatobia, Mississippi again. I'm from Strayhorn, Mississippi. It's about eight miles out in the country, old country community. And if they want to treat me like that, you know, after 15 years and absolutely no reason, take it, take me off. Um, and and it, it's, it's, it's hurt my uh, living. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
Um, thank God that my wife's a nurse. Thank God that I have some shows and friends, like I told you earlier, has been blessing me with shows and stuff like that because um, you know and I know that I've been pulling cars for years with my record, and that was a, it was a huge blow. It was a huge financial blow. And uh, But I look at it, Rick, as, um, as a test from God. You know, he's testing me to see how you're going to react in situations like this. And um, I just hope that I don't let him down. I hope by the way that I'm carrying myself, which is a hard pill to swallow. You know, anybody else would be, you'd be, it, it ain't fair, to, it's discrimination. It ain't nothing but it, you know, all the way out. Right. If you went and you told me you got to go do your time for your crime, and I go and do it, and I've been out for 30 years, and, you, and, you, and you're going to use that still against me, I just think that's wrong. It is. So once but, you've paid your debt to society, that debt's paid. They say. But it ain't, Rick. I know. It don't, and I tell people, and I tell these young kids when I meet with them and, and I talk to them about, you know, I said, if you ever get in it, get in the system, it's, it's just it, it's You're hard stuck. To You're stuck, man. I said, take it from me. It ain't never going to go away. I said, I was naive. I still am in, in days, but then I have days now that I'm a realist about it. It's, it ain't never going to go away. It's always going to be held over your head, you know, but if I just Miss, don't agree if, with that. If Mississippi legalizes cannabis can you get all that expunged i, I would say i could most of it besides the the, the episode with Aside the other brother. stuff but but but, that, but wouldn't that be a blessing it would wouldn't be. That be a blessing i mean you know um, well the voters of the state of mississippi allowed it and then now the 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 state supreme court said no you can't right the hell is wrong with those people? well back to that you know i'm in the library of congress I'm, uh, There's a documentary I'm on a about it. Trail marker yeah. in front of Parchment Farm. Um, I don't think I've done a whole lot of bad. I've done a lot of building. You know, you done a lot I, of good. I play for prisons. Uh, with uh, uh, tell my story, I go back and give my time to those guys. And and uh, there's a documentary about all of this. Yeah, and um, so you know, it's all good, man. Hey, but it may. Can I sing you one? Oh, please do. Sing you one about when I walked off the bus. You know, uh, Chris Stapleton's got Death Row. Love Death Row, that song, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but this is the one, this is my true story about when I stepped off. And this is my Outlaw Country song. It's called I Cried for My Mama. This is for all my convicted felon buddies out there listening tonight. If you've done something wrong, as I walked through the gate, they led him out. Four guards, loaded guns, death row, parchment farm. And I was 19, the meanest thing my mom ever had. I was raised in a small town that just wasn't big enough for me. And the people said, you know that boy, he's bound for the penitentiary. And I cried for my mama, but down here, see, nobody gives a damn. And pray, Lord, please get me out of here. But I'm stuck here doing time down on parchment farm. As I looked out of myself, I could see a full moon up in the sky. The winds and the clouds, Lord, are blowing by. But you can't see it all. Looking through the bars of parchment farm. And I wonder if my mama, she ever thinks about poor me. I'm down and low as a boy can be. 
It's just me and the guards, Lord, the prisoners and the walls. And we're all doing time. Now parchment falls. That idea Till you've been there and tried Don't judge me, friend It was just me and the guards Lord, the prisoners and the walls And we're all Doing time Down on Parchment Farm That he's ashamed of the things that I did How could a brother shoot another? Don't judge me, friend I was a kid with a gun Lord, they sent me down to parchment farm Nobody gives a damn I cried for my mama And prayed, Lord, please Get me out of here But I'm stuck here And I'm doing time Down on parchment farm This is me and the devil, Lord down on parchment farm Brilliant. Nice. Absolutely brilliant. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for coming down, bud. No, thank y'all for having me. Man, anytime. Anytime you want, you're up in town, you want to hang out and just, you know, come in here and play the blues for a while, we can do that. Well, like I said, I just want to um, I, I thank all my Memphis uh, people that I've been watching y'all, you know, and they come in here and play and just, I'm glad to be part of it. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, anytime. Me. Oh, it's always a thrill to be around you. And I, there's thank a lot you. of people out there. You got, you got a lot of musicians in this town that are fans of yours. Yeah. Well, it, hey, I'm a fan of theirs. <laughs> That's a good hey, thing. Hell, I've been stealing their licks for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Brad Webb and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brad's over there. Yeah, yeah. We're all just we're all just wheels in the big machine. <laughs> yeah, you better get me now before I die. Tell me <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, good. But well, yeah. Uh, we're, so, I'm looking forward to hearing what you're going to come out with over there, at Muscle Shoals, and uh, thank you. One more thing, and um, like I said, I'm uh, it's 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 ninety percent chance, but it's or better that uh, I've been asked to uh, be part of a Wilson Pickett tribute record. And that's the that's a big thing that's going on because um, uh, Jamie Johnson is on it, Alabama, yeah. the, the old band Alabama, Jimmy Hall. It was with Jeff Beck, yes, Miss um, Christine Oldman with the Honey. Uh, from Saturday Night Live, yeah, 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 with the big honey, uh, the beehive thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, uh, they picked uh, some really good song, Paul Thorne. Yeah, so, Paul yeah. Thorne, yeah. So, I, you know, they don't know who I am, so I'm excited to be on the record with them, and I'm going to do a song called I'm Sorry About That, which was like a B-side cut that um, um, that he had done, you know. I drove you away from your home, you know. God, I did you wrong. I'm sorry about that, you know, which, which, which was, I said, I like that song. So that's another thing that I got going on, but I'm going to add that that track that's going to be on there on my record too yeah and uh but yeah thank you again thank hey, y'all you got any shows coming up um uh, yeah i do let me think um well back over the august the 19th through the 24th um, up in it's kansas over, city it's over in kansas city um every other sunday at reds <laughs> Every other Sunday yeah, at Reds. Y'all Memphis folks got to come down. And, you know, oh, Reds is great, deals. yeah. Y'all need to come to Clarksdale and bring your guitar <coughs> and hang out at Reds Lounge, and uh, it's worth it. If you've never been there, that, the building is where Ike and Tina Turner, I mean Ike Turner, bought his first guitar. Yes. It used to be a music store, and then it turned into a whatever juke now, and it's just a mojo in the building, and me and Billy Earhart play there every other Sunday, and we've I've got a good following. I mean, we've been there six, six or seven years. 
Next time you come down, get Billy to come with you. I will. We'll, we'll, we'll pull this Hammond in here. He's, we'll got just... his, he's got his skunking tons. You know, that's his grandbabies. So uh, he's got yes. four grandbabies. Yeah. I got uh, I got two now. You know, I'm in the grandpa club. I got an eight-year-old grandboy that's, that'll be with me at 11 o'clock in the morning and work around the farm, and we go fishing. And, and uh, I got an eight-month-old little granddaughter called Raylan. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm, I'm a blessed man, man. Yes, you are. So uh, I don't want to seem like I was negative about my... Uh, hometown. It's just like no. it's more than anything. I just want to say that I'm I'm heartbroken. I'm yeah. heartbroken that you know, what else do you have to do to uh, be kind of accepted, you know? And uh, but um, it just like I said again, it just um, life ain't fair, you know. So it's it all good. No. But I'm just saying, my thing is just time. You know, I'm gonna end it on this: is that that's been a crutch for my music was the record business. So is that is this what? needs to be took away from me so I don't be complacent and go on and push harder towards what I really is supposed to have been doing to begin with. And that's kind of the way I'm looking at the whole situation. So even if you said, Mark, come back, I'm not for sure I wanted to. It was just a point to tell me that I can't do it when I know I hadn't done anything. I think, you know, right, and, uh, right. let me make that choice. You know, if I want to pull cars for you or not, because I'm really not a city employee, I'm a contractor for the city. Right. And uh, I don't see why I need the background checks out the butt. You know, in my own business. So, but um, for doing again, your I'm going yeah. to use this as a positive thing and, and just say, hey, um, that was the crutch that was giving me a reason not to uh, pursue my music a little harder. So, I hope, I, I hope I'll um, bring something that you'll like next time I come back. I, I'm looking forward to this new record. I absolutely am. Thank you. All right. Mark, the old man Massey, ladies and gentlemen. For a good time, get to Canvas in Memphis. Canvas is your one and only interactive arts lounge and bar. Canvas is dedicated to all things art and all things Memphis with great food and a full bar. Canvas is locally owned and located in the heart of Midtown Memphis on Madison Avenue. When you get there, be sure to try their signature dry martini known as the Dirty Artist. Inside or out on their dog-friendly patio, Canvas is where a good time can be found. 1737 Madison Avenue. Music, sculpture, and painting all done at Canvas. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus. So if you have a fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your healthcare provider before going in. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Here's what's coming up on the next episode from Radio Land with Rick Cheddar. Now it's on. <laughs> Dwayne Burnside is in the studio. How you doing, buddy? I'm having a good time. I'm doing good. Good, good. I doing see you're playing over Rail Garden quite a bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it pretty regular. Um, we got a thing going on the Dwayne Hour every Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. That's about me, I, I like it. They're they good guys, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are you playing outside there? Yeah, at the patio on our side. Yeah, right there, right just uh, just underneath the tracks. Yeah, right, up, right by the train track. If I get, get tired, I think... Jump on a train, go to another town. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to do it, right there. Yeah, when going back there, I just catch him, hit him back down. Mm, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. No, that's all right. No. We've been having a good time, man. Y'all should come out and check it out. I, I need to come out. I know you been. Well, and the one week I went, you For previous episodes, go to radio-memphis.com. To download episodes to your mobile device, search the show in iTunes, player.fm, stitcher.com, Pocket Cast, or tune in. And now, here's more with Rick Cheddar from Radioland. You heard what's coming up next time on the program. Of course, it'll be a, always a lot of fun. I want to remind you that uh, those of you that are interested in uh, purchasing Radio Memphis merchandise, we do have it for sale. It is available. Yes. And you can find it at radio-memphis.com. Now, here's what you got to do to find it, though. This is kind of complicated. We're going to fix this. So just bear with us. There is a banner ad you'll more than likely encounter. There's there's several of them up there, and one of them is a white banner ad with black lettering on there, and it says Radio Memphis Merch. Click here. Click that. That'll take you to our, our, our store over Teespring, and there's masks, there's hoodies, there's shirts, there's beer glasses, coffee cups. There's all sorts of fun stuff. Head on over there and uh, get your stuff and have some fun with it. People are digging it, and I've already heard from uh, several folks who have acquired some some stuff, and I appreciate it. And uh, this gives you a chance to fly the freak flag that is Radio Memphis, and it's all part of the fun. There's there's booze and blues shirts up there, by God, yeah, buddy. And get you a mask. Yeah, we can. Everybody needs a, a cool, groovy mask. Go get you one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so there. Also, I uh, want to remind you the other program that I'm involved in is called Drinking with Dead People. That is a YouTube show and channel. It's a look at history. 
uh, various uh, famous folk that are buried in and around the Memphis area, and there's quite a few of them. And uh, the season two premiere was just launched on the 5th of September. That would be the date of production right now. Uh, yeah, it's it's out there. You can see it. It's uh, it's it's fun. It's a, a neat little trip as we uh, talk about one Laura Bullion. She was known as the Thorny Rose, and her story is quite remarkable. So if you'd uh, like to catch it, it's only you know seven or eight minutes long. I appreciate it if you go over there and take a look. And if you like what you see, subscribe to the channel and uh, give it a give it a like or a thumbs up or whatever it is that that thing is and. Uh, uh, hit the notification thing and it'll tell you every Sunday between now and the end of November, I think there's going to be some shows. So, uh, so yeah, drinking with dead people season two is underway right now. So there you go. Right. So that's it. On that note, uh, I'm done. I'm out of here. Got places to go, things to do. And as, as do you, I'm sure. Thank you so very much for downloading, streaming, tuning in, whatever it is that you did to get this program. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next time with more fun. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Go get a vaccine. And for God's sake, stop shooting each other, all right? I'm Rick Cheddar, and this has been from Radio Land. Rick Cheddar from Radioland is produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. All music performed during this episode was used by permission. No part of this program can be rebroadcast or used in any other way except by written consent. For more, go to radio-memphis.com. 